Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Hi everybody, welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, Andy Isco, and Jim Feist, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week's NFL football card and knee-deep into the college bowl games as well. And with that, we welcome back Victor King from King uh, Toll's Tip Sheet here. Victor, how's everything going for you these days? Okay, guys, it's been a, a rough couple of weeks, but I am uh, sincerely glad to be back down here home in South Florida, especially with colleagues and cronies uh, like you guys. So I'm uh, I'm happy to be back, guys. Nice to have you back as well, Victor, for sure. Big hug as well. Andy Isco, how was your week last week in the world of football? Entertaining, profitable, enjoyable, and uh, wetting the appetite for some of the big games that'll mark the last three weeks of the season where so much, if not everything, will be decided. And what kind of a week was it for Jim Feist in the world of wagering last week, Jim? I had a very, very, very profitable week. You sure did. I saw on our playbook site, you (laughs) killed them on Sunday. I saw that. I know that for sure. It was definitely a good week. I wasn't feeling very well. Maybe I need to get sick more often. <laughs> well, you know, there's a there's an uh, an axiom that uh, athletes, when they're sick and out, and they they either play sick or they come back after an illness, they kind of really rather perform well. So maybe it works to our advantage, handicapping wise as well. If it worked that way, Jim gets sick again, if you will, please. <laughs> and pass along the magic formula for what got you sick. For sure. <laughs> right. All right, guys, let's take a look at what we're going to look at today. It's going to be our featured National Football League game of the week. And we got a beauty on tap Sunday when the Miami Dolphins play host to the Dallas Cowboys, a matchup of two teams that went opposite directions last week. Victor, how do you see the Dolphins and the Cowboys shaking out down here on Sunday? Well, this is a great, great weekend in the NFL. I mean, there are some great matchups, particularly – Two really, really big games. Uh, My notes on the 49ers-Ravens game, the Monday night game, it's only the second time in the last 10 years that the current top two Super Bowl favorites will meet in a December or January regular season game. Great job by the schedule makers. And not only that, this game that we're going to be talking about, too, I mean, both of these games this weekend in the NFL are just Fantastic. We're going to have a great Christmas uh, Eve day and, of course, a great Christmas Day night with both of these games. But with the Cowboys playing the Dolphins, as you just mentioned, and the Ravens again against the 49ers, guys, it marks the first time since 1980. So we're going back 40-plus years that the top four teams in overall point differential will be facing each other this late in the season. It's almost like the schedule makers' uh, shots have been fired, and the NFL wants to grab a hold of this Christmas weekend with some absolutely killer matchups. And before I get into the over-under numbers for the Miami-Dallas game, if anybody had any comments about that, the schedule makers have done a great job this week. Throw them on out there. How can you not? How can you argue with that, Victor? What you just mentioned here—it's uh, I'm I'm looking forward to watching football uh, Christmas Day. Colleen's not going to like it, but I'm going to love it. <laughs> well, the, the beauty is that these are two potential Super Bowl matchups: AFC versus NFC. So uh, any number of things will happen. And in fact, of course, the more interesting—I was surprised, Mark, that we didn't go with the Baltimore-San Francisco game as the featured game, which we easily could have because. When you look at San Francisco this year, they've already hammered their two most likely NFC opponents, Philadelphia and Dallas. Now they get an opportunity to hammer a very likely AFC Super Bowl opponent. So that's what makes the Monday night game intrigue, which is kind of interesting why the line is somewhat high that you might expect. We might find the highest rated Monday night football game ever. I'm going to anticipate on that game, Andy. I know it's a holiday and maybe a lot of people can't be in front of their TVs to watch that, but uh, I know a lot of football fans are really, really looking for it. Jim, what's your favorite game on tap this weekend? Oh boy. Um, I I really like the card uh, because a lot of these games, and we're talking about the top 
four teams there, but there's other teams that try to get into this. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Cardinals. You're about to say Cardinals and Bears. Oh, well, that, that's that's at the top of my list. I'm probably going to tape it and watch it four times. <laughs> Insomnia, huh? Yeah, exactly. The uh, There's a lot of great matchups. I mean, the Cleveland Browns and Houston, I mean, these guys are playing for a lot. Uh, all these teams, Detroit and Minnesota, are playing for a lot. I mean, yeah, you can take the Jets and the Commanders and you can throw them on the side, just cancel the game as far as I'm concerned. But there, there's a lot of great matchups. And the, the, the Thursday, uh, the game Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, is there's a lot of meaning there. There's so many injuries on both sides. And yeah, and meaning for, meaning for both teams as well, Jim. You're right. You're exactly. Right. Uh, but, I mean, how do you – it's so hard to handicap. you got a third-string quarterback and you got two guys, DJ Reader and – and uh, Jamar Chase out for the for the Bengals, and they're already yeah. down to their backup quarterback. There's so many difficult things to do here with these handicapping. How do we handicap them? How do we know what's going to happen? There's a lot of mystery there. And I don't want to throw throw off our schedule, but I know you guys are really into college bowls and college football, and it's bowl time, so am I. But some of these games are absolutely unbelievable these turnarounds 28 nothing lose i mean all these games is absolutely insane it's almost like march madness during the football season you know with these college bowl games and i think it's going to get even better the deeper we go with the better teams but victor we didn't mean to throw you off guard or uh change paths there uh, with your take on the over under total in this game what is it you're looking at well look at the over under line here we're We've crossed over into the 50s. The last time we looked, it was 51. That's the uh, full game over under when our Dolphins down here host the Cowboys in the late afternoon kickoffs on Sunday. And, man, who doesn't want to see a South Florida shootout? After all, you got the number one offense against the number six offense facing each other. you got the number one scoring offense against the number two scoring offense facing each other. Again, Everybody would love to see a late afternoon shootout, and I'd love to make a case for that. But there are a couple of things that are standing in our way in this particular game. Number one, NFL games with that high over-under line of 50 or more points. These have been great underplays as of late. In fact, in the last two seasons now, NFL games with an over-under of 50 or more have actually gone 11 overs, 25 unders since the start of last season. Just this season alone, guys, these games have gone two overs and 10 unders. That is 83% under the total in these high-lined NFL games. It's got me uh, with a little bit of a stop sign in regard to the full game total, but that's where we may have something else here, guys. And let me pull out this week's uh, totals tip sheet newsletter to show you which way we're going in this game. I still would like to get some over action in this game. And I think Tuco is going to help us out because we're going to be playing over the total in the first half of this game. The line is 25 and a half points between the Cowboys and Miami. That's the first half over under line. And if you look at the numbers in the first half for these two teams, there's no other way to go. We're basically uh, statistically obligated to bet the first half over in this particular game. The Cowboys are ranked number one in most points in the first half this season at 18.6. If you include their defensive numbers, they're at 29.0. Remember, our line's 25 and a half. The Dolphins right behind at number two. They're averaging 17.4 on offense in the first half, 29.5 overall when we include the defensive numbers. So with that said, guys, it is no surprise that in the first half this season, Dallas games have gone 11, two and one over under, while Miami right behind at 11 and three. That's a combined 22 and five on the season in the first half of their games. Now for comparison purposes, neither team was a great over team in the second half of their games. They've each gone six and eight over under. But with a combined 22 and 5, that's going to be our play. We're going to play the first half over and make sure you get a line of 25 and a half or less. 
that's probably the best play if you uh, like betting overs in this particular game. Again, we're stuck on the full game side or total, but the first half over is the way we're going to go. Well, tell Tuco, thanks, Victor. That was great information. It was. <laughs> yeah, look at that uh, at the first half of that football game as opposed to the total, a lot more value and a lot more handicap, yeah, yeah. if you will. Andy, how do you see this game shaking out between these two juggernauts, these two playoff teams? Well, Buffalo's win over Dallas narrowed Miami's lead in the AFC East to just two games, and the Bills finished the season in Week 18 at Miami looking to sweep. So Buffalo, to win the division, needs to make up one game on the uh, uh, Miami Dolphins. Now, Miami uh, is in a good position after, uh, after, after getting the win against the Jets to make up for the loss uh, somewhat to Tennessee the week before. Dallas pretty much resigned to be the top wild card because even though they're currently tied uh, with the Eagles, and despite the Eagles' poor recent play, uh, the Eagles likely are going to win the division with two games against the Giants sandwiched around the game against Arizona. Uh, and Philadelphia, of course, still has uh, 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 some tough games on, uh, on uh, excuse me, uh, not that tough games on deck as uh, as uh, as Dallas does. So uh, I'm looking for Miami to be uh, a very focused team here now. Uh, as far as uh, Victor pointed out, this is a good uh, situation for the Dolphins because we're getting a Dallas team that once again showed last week they are a much better team uh, on the uh, home field than they are on the road. And, of course, they've also had some of their poor performances this year when they've played those road games on uh, natural grass, which, of course uh, – They'll be doing this week in Miami. When I look at the at, at the, uh, the rushing game, uh, Miami has one of the league's uh, top ground games. They average 140 yards per game, which is number third, but number three. But what's gotten less attention is that the defense, which is currently number five overall, uh, but they've been solid balance on defense. Number four against the run, number 10 against the pass. Dallas's defense is right with Miami at number five overall, but their pass defense, despite being number four, is offset by a rather mediocre number 19 run defense, meaning it looks as though Miami fundamentally should be able to contain the Dallas running game, but this reverse may not be the same. So I'm looking for Miami to wear down the Cowboys. I'll root for it to be you know, 80, 85 degrees down there, which would further uh, help the cause because the Dolphins clearly used to that. So I'm on the Miami side in this game. I think the total is uh, is pretty much a right number. Uh, depending upon turnovers, I could see it going slightly over or in the absence of turnovers, staying slightly under fundamentally. Jim, look at the, this Miami uh, Dolphins schedule to close out the season here. My God, you talk about a tough road to hoe. Uh, they're looking at the Dallas Cowboys this week. The Baltimore Ravens next and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, if they win out, you know, they're going to win the division. But is, you think they can win out against those three teams? Well, they certainly can. I mean, you're talking about Baltimore next week after playing San Francisco. That's a very difficult That's a good point. thing to do yep. anyway because phys San Francisco is a very physical team, and teams that play them don't usually do very well the next week anyway. And then, of course, then the Baltimore, who a team that they know, and, uh, yes, they could win all three games. The one thing about this, both of these teams, Dallas and Miami, have done very well against very poor teams. But when they step up in class, neither one of them have done all that well, except for the one game where Dallas beat up on Philadelphia, which was the previous game that they played prior to last week's game. And so, I'm, you know, I'm not sure who's who here. And that now Philadelphia is pointing fingers – Quarterbacks pointing fingers at the team over, overall team from not being into it, not playing hard. And the turnovers, they've already turned the ball over this year 17 times, which is double or more than double what they did all of last year. That's a real good point, the turnovers, which is yeah. almost always key and pivotal. By, by the way, one point, Mark, since you sort of brought up and I neglected to mention Miami's game against Baltimore, if Miami wins out, I believe they get the number one seed because that would give Baltimore four losses to equal where Miami is now and the head-to-head -head would go in there. That means a bye in the opening week and a game against the weakest survivor the following week. Yeah, it is a fact, Andy, that if they do win out, they win the number one seed. Miami yeah. does. That's you know the, sort of the, uh, the apple that they're playing for here. And Jim mentioned about these teams struggling against winning teams. Well, neither of them have beat a winning team this season here, at least with a record going into the game. 
they've each taken on three teams with, with winning records. They're both 0-3 straight up in ATS against opponents with winning records. So something's got to give in a football game like this. And if you look at Tua Tonga Viola, who is probably the most under-the-radar MVP player there is out there right now, and I can only say that he'll command a lot of votes if he does end or they end up winning the number one seed in the AFC. He was 21 of 24 last week in that 30 to nothing dismantling of the Jets. The thing that concerned me about that, though, when you look inside the numbers, Miami mustered only 290 yards of offense for the all the points that they put up the 30 points. It's sort of that the cuffs and the collars don't match syndrome here for Miami. Now, you know, they obviously have coat. They coasted toward the end of the football game when they weren't really neat in need of points and yardage and things like that. But here's what stands out to me, guys. Uh, I put this in the database in the well-oiled machine, and I looked at NFL home favorites that are coming off a home shutout win uh, since 2000, and they're going up an opponent that's coming in off an away game. So they're home-home. The opponent's away-away. The home team threw a home shutout their last game. Those home teams are 10-2 and two straight up and 9-3 and three against the spread. That's since 2000. I think this is a huge game for the Miami Dolphins, big for Dallas as well, because they're on the heels of Philadelphia in the NFC East. But I'm going to stay with the Miami Dolphins like Andy is in this contest here as well. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports, Andy Isco and Jim Feist, handicappers premier from Las Vegas. And if you would do us the honors, Greg, I know Jim recorded a segment here with his NFL Week 15 review. Let's see what happened in the NFL last week from Jim Feist. Hello, everybody. I'm going to take a look at Saturday's games, talk a little bit about the players, the coaches, the quarterbacks, and going forward. Well, Minnesota took off on Cincinnati yesterday. Looked like Cincinnati was dead, but they fought themselves back and won the game by three in overtime. For a lot of people, that was a push. For some people, they were able to get two and a half and they actually covered that number. Or if they played the money line, like you know I do with short prices on favorites, um, they would cash there too. Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. This might be the last run we see with Tomlin. He's, he's a good coach. We know he's a good coach. We know he's done good things over the years. But... I don't know what decade he's coaching in right now because this club is a mess. The quarterbacks are a mess. The play calling's a mess. The schemes are a mess. I can't, I can't believe that he still has the locker room in his side. This might be his last year. It should be his last year, in my opinion. Nobody's going to deny what he knows about football, but the production isn't there. Then you have Denver and Detroit, and Detroit had been flagging it a little bit lately, and they came back with a big effort yesterday against Denver. Denver's third straight road game, tough spot for them. Um, we know the head coach there is going to be there, and we know the quarterback's going to be there, and that is probably not a happy marriage. At least that doesn't look that way. Russell Wilson, to me, and believe me when I say this, it hurts me to say this because I always thought Russell Wilson was one of the best. When he was in Seattle and cooking, he was incredible. But his last year there was bad, and these last two years at Denver have been bad as well. And it seems to me like he's fallen off the cliff, and he, his career is done, and they overpaid for him, and they really got stuck with a bad contract, like Cleveland did with Deshaun Watson. So that's your Saturday games. Now, we go on to Sunday, talk a little bit about what's happened on Sunday. It should be, it's some interesting stuff going on here, guys. Um, if I can get the machine to work the way it's supposed to. Okay, well, I'm not going to talk too much about the Falcons and Panthers. These are teams that shouldn't be around. The Buccaneers, uh, you know, I'm going, to give, I'm going to give credit to these quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield's playing pretty well. Um, seems to have a, an idea what he's doing now. He's, he's really matured into the position. He's definitely one of the better quarterbacks in the league. 
Definitely one of the top 32. He should be a quarterback, a starting quarterback in the league. Love for the Packers. A lot of people wrote him off, said he couldn't play. He can play. He can play. Um, the Texans uh, amazingly won the game. They down quarterback or hit their quarterbacks out. They still won the game. The, um, I like the quarterback for Tennessee. I like this kid, uh, Levis. Um, he he's uh, I think he's got a lot of potential. He's got a cannon for an arm. And um, of course, we go to the the Jets. They're a mess. Uh, they're, they're a mess. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers goes there without an offensive line. He's going to be. He might last one game. Uh, Miami, this is interesting. Miami is going to host Dallas, who's going to be playing, um, you know, off the Eagles, off the Bills, then go to Miami. It's a tough spot, but Miami hasn't done well against good teams. And we got a little tweak with uh, with um, their wide receiver, Hill. Might be a little hurt with the ankle. It's going to be very interesting. Going forward, head coaches, I'm glad Staley is out. I don't want to see people lose their job, but he never deserved that job. In my opinion, it was a very, very bad hire. They went the cheap route. They got what they deserved. Now, he's ruining a lot of good talent down there. But this is the same organization that had a Marty Schottenheimer, 14-2, and 13, whatever he was, amazing quarter, uh, head coach. They got rid of him. So I have, someday I'm going to do an analysis of ownership. And there's some bad owners. We know that. We just got rid of one in Washington. So they made a move. They got rid of him two, day, two years late. If he was ever to be hired, he should have been fired two years ago. Anyway, now what they do, they got a quarterback that's out for the year. Very talented. Let's see what they do going forward. But... Um, if you get him out, Tomlin out, Rivera is going to be gone. The guy in Washington, the ownership is in Washington's up is gone also. Uh, it's going to be a real interesting change. This has been an off year for the NFL. A lot of teams don't really play NFL style football. I know Tom Brady said it. There's others who are saying it. The quality is low, but some of these guys are developing. They have some potential. And they're probably going to be better initially than the kids coming out of college that they're going to draft high. So I'm looking at that. I think there's going to be some real interesting choices made next year. And you have to remember this. It's hard to find coaches. It's hard to find offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. It's hard to find quarter, quarterbacks that can play at this level. It's hard to find anything that's going to work well at this level. And that's true in any business. Every time you hire someone, whether it's sales manager, accounting manager, whatever, it's hard to find people that are going to perform at the level you expect or need. And it's the truth in, in, in the NFL, of course, like anything else. So it's going to be a real interesting offseason. I'm going to recap all the Sunday games when they're over. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Once again, another great overview from Jim Feist becoming the master, and he's always been the master of the National Football League. He ripped it apart last week, looking to do the same thing again this week. Let's move on to Andy Isco for his live lines segment here on the show. Andy, were there any lines that you saw that are noteworthy here of lines that were from last week to this week to talk about and compare? Well, actually, Mark, what I'm doing now at this point of the season is taking a look at line moves that have occurred since they were reposted on Sunday night, rather okay. than going back to the lines that were 10 days old. And the reason I do yeah. that is because many of the lines right now that are reposted come after the results of Sunday's and prior day's games, where the situation, the playoff situation, the need situation really becomes a much larger part of the handicap and of the lines making process than it does when we're looking 10 days ahead, because the number of weeks when these advanced lines were put up, there were four weeks remaining. Now, when they were reposted on Sunday and continue to be bet up and down this week, 
There's only three games remaining. So a number of these lines may have been influenced by the results of last week where you say you don't want to overreact. Well, everybody overreacts to, to needs and, and not needs. The lines makers don't react as much. Uh, uh, for example, the games on Saturday, uh, the Bengals at the Steelers. That game initially opened as a pick 'em, and the early money pushed the Bengals up to a two and a half point road favorite. Um, then apparently, the news about uh, Lamar, Lamar Chase uh, came in. They're still favored, but only by two. And in the late game, uh, the Bills were uh, nine and a half point favorites, and they were reposted as 14 point favorites. That uh, at, in their game at the Chargers, uh, that game was bet down as low as 11. It's now back up to 12 as we do our uh, podcast recording on uh, on Wednesday afternoons. Another game that has seen some movement, not necessarily due to playoff implications because there are none. Packers opened a three, three and a half point road favorite at Carolina. And despite the Panthers getting that home win last week as an underdog to Atlanta, uh, the Packers have been bet up to a five point favorite. We've seen a change in the Cleveland at Houston game, both of uh, whom are fighting for, in the case of Houston, I was going to say just a wild card, but who knows with Jacksonville and Indianapolis uh, still uh, not uh, getting any distance. And Cleveland, of course, very much in the race for the uh, AFC North title. The Texans opened as two-and-a-half-point favorites, and that was after uh, Stroud missed last game. Apparently now, as of earlier today, it's been announced that Stroud is out, and we've seen a, a switch in this. Cleveland now a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, so a five-point move uh, based upon that information, although, uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, Houston doesn't necessarily win because of a good offense. They have a very strong defense this year uh, as well under D'Amico Ryan's their new coach. Jacksonville at Tampa Bay, another game with playoff implications for both. The Jaguars uh, were two and a half points at the open, and now the money has come in on uh, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay uh, came in uh, as a one-point favorite, but that game has now been bet down to pick. Uh, the Miami-Dallas game, we've seen a little bit of move towards Dallas as the game was posted with the Dolphins 2 it's now down to one and a half. Uh, the Bears and Cardinals, another game that realistically doesn't have any implications, although the Bears have not yet been eliminated, and they do have a very manageable uh, final three games where they're standing at five and nine right now. That game opened with the Bears three and a half, went up as high as four and a half. It's down to four. And Denver, of course, uh, uh, they have a key game this week coming off of that ugly loss in Detroit last Saturday. They opened as a five and a half point home favorite against the uh, mathematically eliminated Patriots. The money has come in on Denver at the, to up to six and a half. We might see seven if you like the Patriots. I don't know if we'll – I think we may be more likely to see seven than we are to see six uh, based on the current number. And then on the Monday games, uh, the Eagles, who have not been playing well of late, opened the 10.5-point favorites over the Giants on Christmas Day. That's been up to 12. And that game between the Ravens and 49ers, the 49ers opened a five-point favorite. That has been up, been bet up to five and a half, even reached six briefly at a couple of places before settling back in at five and a half with some fives also scattered about. That's the line review from Andy Isco. The line moves from where they were to where they are today. Jim, did you take advantage of any of these line moves early? I know last week we talked and you got into some really great numbers last week, a lot maybe because of weather, but any early moves that you made as far as lines and getting the best of the number? Well, first of all, I'll go back to uh, when I talked on here two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I'm weather. sorry, yeah. I, I grabbed a couple of games two weeks ago on based on weather, and, and the weatherman cost me money because he, uh, he <laughs> there was a lot of wind and rain and all this <laughs> other stuff. But the, but the numbers didn't hold up. So that wasn't, you know, what you're doing is handicapping the weatherman. That doesn't always work. But this week, the one thing, the, the Browns and, tight, and the Texans, you know, if Stroud was playing, of course, you'd see more wide open offense. And I'd like to one to ask Victor about this. The number opened as 41, went up to 42 and a half. It's now down to 40. Now Stroud isn't going to play. The one thing, though, is, is the Browns, when they play on the road, their defense has not lived up to expectations as it does at home. Now, the conditions, of course, in Texas will be a lot better than what they're used to playing in, in Cleveland, which it always seems to be bad. So uh, what do you think of that line move, uh, Victor, from down to 40 now? Is that too low? Uh, I, I don't think it's too low. You know, the um, uh, the Browns are the only team in the NFL, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that's gone over the total in every single road game this season. In fact, according to this week's totals tip sheet, let's see here. They've played six on the road. All six went on over the total. 
The most recent was that game against the Rams, uh, I believe, three weeks ago. They've averaged 54.9 combined points per game. I do know that Houston scores five to six more points per game at home than they do on the road. But obviously, with the quarterback change, that's significant. It's significant to the point spread. It's significant to the over-under line. With that said, I'm still leaning toward the over. We could see a few more points. One more thing, uh, and I mentioned it again in this week's Total Tip Sheet newsletter. Since taking over a quarterback for the Browns, Joe Flacco, the Browns, the Browns have turned into a pass-first team. Machine, yes. Um, look at these numbers here. Last three games, their pass-run splits for the Browns. Last week, 45 passes, only 18 runs. Two weeks ago, 45 passes, only 28 runs. Three weeks ago, 44 passes, only 23 runs. I don't know if the odds makers have caught up to that very significant thing about the Browns is the fact that they've turned into a pass-first team now. But I wonder if that has – that could have something to do with the offensive line injuries they've had, which may affect their run blocking more than their pass blocking. I'm not saying I know that for a fact, but I, that might play into it. Could be. Yeah, that Browns offensive line's been really beat up. Uh, they've had as many as four starters out this football season here. And, in fact, uh, I read somewhere, and I put this in this week's Playbook Football Newsletter, that the Cleveland Browns roster, 26% of their players are uh, from their salary cap. They top the league in people that are on the IR or injured from salary cap losses this year, the Cleveland Browns, which, in my mind, puts Kevin Stefanski up in the running of Coach of the Year on the National yes. Football League. <laughs> yep, yep. My yeah. goodness, you know. <laughs> hey, you guys are tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Greg, I'm going to turn it over to you for a quickie roundtable, if you would. Uh, got some questions. We've got some answers. All right, sounds good. I want to remind everybody we are still uh, below the 600 subscriber mark, so uh, that's our next goal. Let's try to hit 600 subscribers. It's real simple. Just hit that button. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and show you how right there. Just hit the uh, like button. That is also important. The subscribe button and the bell, which is the notification uh, that you have a show that is available now. Uh, in your profile. All right. So uh, let's talk, first of all, uh, in the NFL, I did want to, Andy mentioned the uh, San Francisco-Baltimore game. A few interesting things here. Uh, San Francisco-Baltimore, the top two teams, is, uh, according to Vegas at this point, as far as Super Bowl. San Francisco 2-1, to one, Baltimore 5-1. to one. Uh, So that's interesting. You also have the two favorites for the MVP now. And uh, Mark, we talked about this last week. On the Arlad show, uh, when Brock Purdy, I believe, was still about two or three to one, he's now minus two hundred yes, to win is. the MVP. Jackson's four to one, so he's the second choice. So I got to bring this around to you guys because I, I gave my opinion on why I thought Brock Purdy for MVP was just not right. Uh, when you take a look at uh, the three games that McCaffrey did not play and Trent Williams did not play and Debo Samuel did not play, he went zero for three. 0 oh, and 3. That's what the Niners mark was without those three guys when Purdy was uh, behind center. To me, that's not an MVP. That's somebody who needs players around him, not the opposite. So I got to ask you guys. Oh, by the way, Mark, remember last week we said McCaffrey was a real good bargain at 40 to 1. He's now down to 10 to 1. Well, I just bought a little bit more of him at 18 to 1 this week. Uh, I just I think it, he passes the eye test what he does, Greg. Um, I'm not going to shoot arrows at Brock Purdy any at all because he's he's been a maestro since he's taken over the football program. But you take Christian McCaffrey out of that lineup, they're not the same football team. Uh, and it's been a long time since we've had a non-quarterback that's won an MVP. And, in fact, one of our listeners, our readers of my daily coffee club, sent me an email and I put it in the coffee club. That the last time a non-white quarterback won the MVP award in the National Football League was the only time a non-white quarterback won it. It was 1981. It was Mark Mosley, the place kicker for the Washington Redskins. Wow. Yeah. You know, I was going to mention that uh, in connection with uh, Lamar Jackson and the game this week, if you like the Ravens, you might also put a play on, A, the Ravens' money line uh, this week, Lamar Jackson for MVP, if, if because my – 
Baltimore has to finish the season. If they can defeat San Francisco at San Francisco and then defeat Miami in Week 17, you have to believe Lamar Jackson's going to be, play a huge part in both of those wins. And even at 4-1 to right now, that line will go down where he might approximate where Purdy is at, especially if Purdy does not have a good game this week against the uh, Ravens' defense. Let me correct myself. That would be the last white non-quarterback. I might have said last non-white, but it's the last white non-quarterback. Sorry, Greg, back to you. All right. Well, let's go around. Uh, Jim, what do you think? Uh, MVP, who do you think it should be? And would you put a wager on any of these uh, players? Obviously, Purdy, you could forget that at minus 200. But anybody else you're interested in? Well, I have an unfair advantage here because at the beginning of the year, I felt like San Francisco had the best roster, the best coach, and a very solid um, quarterback, even though he's Mr. Irrelevant. And I'd like to ask the question after this, that, and I made a, made a substantial play on Purdy to win it at very favorable prices at that time. So I'm going to stick with that, and I believe they're the best team with the best coach and the best system and the best players around them. And I don't think you take away from a player because of what he can't do when other players aren't there. Um, he, he, you know, there's been a lot of guys who win the MVP that may not have deserved it. But in this case, the guy has done everything you ask him to do. He manages the game. He delivers to his best players. He gets them in, in, in space where they can get a lot of yards after. And um, he does the job. I think he's the best player right now with their best team with the best system in the league. So that's what I'm going to stick with. Hey, Victor, let me ask you this question. If uh, if Lamar Jackson beats Brock Purdy this week, does that vault him to the MVP lead, Lamar Jackson? I think it does, and I think that that uh, gives you some value right here, right now. Obviously, there's no value with Brock Purdy. You're laying more than two-to-one odds. Lamar Jackson, you're getting six-to-one back. Uh, it's a five-horse race. I do think that players number two, three, four, and five, according to the odds, are much more valuable to their team than Brock Purdy is to his team. Uh, Baltimore without Lamar Jackson is a 500 or worse team. Uh, Dallas without Dak Prescott is a 500 or worse team. Buffalo without Josh Allen is a 500 or worse team. So it depends also what your definition of most valuable player actually is as well. By the way, Victor, what are the odds on Josh Allen? I think 12. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm showing anywhere from 12 to 10 to 1, somewhere in there, the fifth best odds. If Buffalo makes the playoffs, it's going to have to be largely due to Josh Allen. And, uh, you know, considering they, considering they will have had six losses for a significant portion of the season, assuming they went out. I got to throw kudos out there, guys, to our, uh, our producer, Greg De Palma, because – it wasn't all that long ago, and he loves looking for value. We were talking about uh, teams for uh, to make it to the Super Bowl or, or even win the Super Bowl. And at the time we talked, he mentioned the Dallas Cowboys at forty to one. Buffalo. Sorry, the Buffalo. Buffalo Bills at forty to one. Buffalo at forty to one, and look where they're at here right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all right. So let me ask you guys this then. Right now, if you had to, who what would you be more confident with? to win the Super Bowl, if you're San Francisco and their chances to win the Super Bowl, with Sam Darnold and McCaffrey or Purdy and no McCaffrey? There's a, there's a lot of weapons on the San Francisco team, and I believe that any one player, for the most part, except an offensive lineman, I, I think that McCaffrey's an amazing runner, no question. He does a lot of things. He gets the ball, blocker, I mean, everything. But if you lost Trent Williams on the offensive line. <laughs> That's true, too. I, I, I agree, I, 100%. I, you know, and in the games that they lost, they had three players out. And, you know, you, yeah, you want to take it away from Purdy, but I don't do that. When you lose your offensive lineman, especially at the position he plays, you lose McCaffrey for part of the games, and you lose Samuel. That's a lot. And, you know, they didn't really lose those games that badly. I mean, there was a kick they missed that should have – easily could have won in that game. So losing games does not make you this 17 game season. You're not going to win every game. You're going to lose occasionally. I mean, look at what Philadelphia's doing right now. And a, a few weeks ago, people were talking about Hertz as being one of the best players in the league. Doesn't look so good right now. They, they, there's slumps and there's injuries. 
things like that. So to me, San Francisco's the best team with the best best weapons, the best coaching scheme. They know how to get their players in the right positions and take advantage of it. I don't know if they would overcome it if if Williams was out. But if anybody else was out, I think they could overcome it. Well, a great point you make there, Jim, especially about Trent Williams. And, uh, you know, wh- whether it would be, you know, who, who would be their worst loss, Brock Purdy or Christian McCaffrey? Uh, I think I think it would be Christian McCaffrey personally. Uh, probably step up Debo Samuel's role just a little bit more. But, you know, we can argue to the cows come home. All that matters is who makes it to the Super Bowl. We're going to step on it, guys, a little bit here. We're going to kind of shorten up our show a little bit here this week, if I may, Greg. Sure. Uh, so let's move it over to our awesome angle of the week on the show this week. And we call our awesome angle $15 bill. I don't know if anybody's ever seen or heard of a $15 bill, but I think we're going to have one or two of them on the National Football League card this week. And what, you, what it, the angle is, is basically this. You play on any NFL dog of exactly four and a half points in game 15 of the season. That's it. Game 15, dog of four and a half points. Since 1980. Those four and a half point dogs are 14 and one against the spread. And they've won 10 of those games straight up. So if you see anybody, there can be two possible plays I'm looking at right now as we're doing the show, possibly New Orleans on Thursday and possibly Arizona on Sunday. So keep an eye out for those two teams for our $15 bill call on the show this week. And Andy, I know I, I we, we, we jumped past all that, but uh, Greg would normally ask you about your complimentary play and what you have for that play this week. Well, I'm going to look at the uh, key game in the NFC North between Minnesota and Detroit. This is actually, much like the Giants and Eagles, this is the first of two meetings over the final three weeks. The Vikings host the Lions here, and they uh, I think they play Green Bay in uh, in week uh, 17, and then uh, they're at Detroit in week 18. And we don't know if Detroit will have the division wrapped up, but Minnesota which has an outside chance to catch Detroit by sweeping uh, out, depending upon what Detroit does in that middle game. Uh, but they're certainly very much in contention for the wild card. In fact, I think they are number six right now, the number six seed, which would be the number two wild card. Uh, playing in the shadow of Detroit for most of the season, the seven and seven Vikings are in control of that number two wild card, as I mentioned. Uh, although Minnie's record in one score games is not as stellar as when they were 11 and 0 last year. Uh, they still continue to play those close games and are six and seven this season, four of the seven lessons, losses by a field goal or less. Uh, their ability to play one score games has been uncanny, but it also makes for a home underdog worth backing uh, with their ability to play such close games. Now, Detroit needs one more win or one more Viking loss to clinch the uh, uh, the North title with three games remaining for each. Of course, two of them are against each other. Uh, Vi- Vikes are relying on their third quarterback this season, and Mullins uh, played well in last week's overtime uh, loss at Cincinnati. Of course, he came in uh, in that uh, uh, 3 nothing game against the uh, – uh, against the Raiders a week earlier. Uh, as I look at, uh, uh, at Mullins, I think he gets even more comfortable, especially in front of the, uh, the home crowd after playing those two uh, road games. Now, Detroit's off its best performance in more than a month, and we should see a regression uh, versus a team fighting just to make a wild card, knowing that there's a rematch in Detroit in in Week 18. Uh, the playoff chances may well hinge on this game uh, with another division game versus Green Bay, as I mentioned, on deck. So I'm going to look for Minnesota actually to pull the upset. So I'll have some of it on the uh, on the money line. Uh, you can still find a few three-and-a-halves out there. Otherwise, it's uh, three pretty much. Uh, I think it's either minus 105 or even money. So I do like the Vikings this week. And uh, depending upon the situation, uh, I, I might like Detroit in week 18, although that game may not have much uh, much meaning. I'm with you too, Andy. Minnesota Vikings for Andy Isco's complimentary play on the show this week. And Jim, before we let you go, any final thoughts you have on this week's NFL football card? Well, there's a, there's a lot of games I, I, I really like. I have a lot of stuff this week. Um, and I picked up just listening to you fellas too. I mean, some really, really good stuff. I like Tampa Bay. I like uh, Baker Mayfield, the way he's playing. I see a lot of confidence in this fellow. I mean, he was the number one draft choice years ago. I think he got blamed in, a lot in, in Cleveland, and a lot, most people do, for all their problems up there. But he has played very well this year. And, I mean, he had a, a perfect passer rating the other day, a, a game ago. I don't know which game it was, but it was 
Excellent. Thank you. Jacksonville is uh, self-destructing. Their defense is uh, not played up to snuff. And Mark, I mean, Lawrence has gotten a little banged up and he's questionable. And so, I, I mean, I like Tampa Bay at home in this spot. And you're, you're talking about a, two teams that almost the similar records, eight and six, seven and seven, only a one point home favorite. I, I think it's a gift, really. Wise advice from Jim Feist from Las Vegas, the legend in Vegas. He's going to take a look at the Tampa Bay Bucks on the card this week. We're going to wrap things up with our complimentary plays from Victor King and myself, yours truly. Victor, what are you looking at for your complimentary play on the card this week? Uh, today, I just started looking at the Saturday slate of games. You know, we got Cincinnati, Pittsburgh in the afternoon and Buffalo and the Chargers at night. And we're going to come out with a free play on the over in that Chargers and uh Bills game, the over underline opened at oh, 40 and a half, maybe 41. And there's been some sharp action coming in on the over in this game. It's up to 44 the last time that I looked. If you do decide to join me, get in now before it goes up even higher because both 44 and 45 are key numbers in the NFL. Uh, what I did, what jumped out at me is when these two divisions hook up against each other. AFC West Division home teams versus AFC East Division road teams. If the AFC West team is taking points at home, like the Chargers are, they've gone 9-1 and one to the over all-time in our database when the over-underline is in the range of 39 to 54 points. Uh, not to mention if you're looking for a signature system, Let's not forget that the Chargers are actually playing with a little bit of added rest as their last game was last Thursday. And in our database, I got a 20-2 and over-under situation for all NFL non-division teams playing at home if they are off a Thursday division game like the Chargers are. And finally, in that game, obviously, we know they gave up, what, 63 freaking points to the Raiders. Uh in the last four years, NFL teams have gone a perfect 7-0 and to the over. Non-division teams who allowed 50 or more on the road in their last game. That applies to the Chargers. Again, Buffalo, yeah, they ran for a ton of yards last week against Dallas, 266 or something like that. But not against this Charger team. The way to attack the Charger team is through the air. And what did uh, Josh Allen have? Only 15 pass attempts last week. Look for double those pass attempts, if not more, this particular week. And NFL teams off a home win in which they rush for 250 or more yards, like Buffalo, have gone 8-1 and one to the over in the last two years. So not a lot of people are looking at it, but at 44, we're still going to go high. So we'll play with Chargers and the Bills over the total on Saturday night. Victor likes a well-lit scoreboard in that Chargers-Bills game on that football game. You can check out all of Victor's plays from King Creole Sports on the website at playbooksports.com. And, Greg, before I get to my complimentary play, you, you've worked your way into the top 20 of the Wise Guys contest. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a complimentary play from Greg DePalma. Oh, okay. By the way, uh, we'll bring this up next week, and that is the fact that uh, I didn't have a good week last week because uh, we have the halves in our contest and, uh -huh. uh, and, and, and having Cleveland and Cincinnati, actually, I, I made picks early in the week uh, just on the sports book. I did Cleveland and Cincinnati at three and a half in both games, and they both won by three. So there we'll talk go. about that oh, next week, uh, uh, buying half points. You know, before Greg's free play, Mark, we got to mention that there is a guy here on the screen who's now moved into the top five of the Wise Guy contest. Well, that'd be a big surprise. And that's my mentor, Mark Lawrence. I've got the official standings from the Cincinnati kid earlier today, and Mark Lawrence is now number four in the Wise Guy contest, <laughs> only three points behind the number one, and uh, yours truly is tied for fifth place as well. So we're well represented in the top five with, what, four weeks to go. Uh, I say screw those half points. We don't need those half points. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go outside of the NFL, and I'm going to go with college, and, I, and I'm going with James Madison. 
Um, and, and I don't really care if our Air Force starts their quarterback, uh, you know, who's been injured. They just played awful at the end of the season. And I just don't see the motivation in this game for James Madison. I think they have a ton of motivation. You know, there wasn't even expected to be in a bowl, but not enough teams. So they qualified. And I think they're going to be pumped up in their first bowl. Uh, well, in this bowl opportunity after almost an undefeated season. So I like James Madison. We'll put Greg DePalma down for James Madison for his complimentary play. Before I get to my play, I want to remind our listeners out there that this whole show is being brought to you by our friends at uwager.lv, where every Friday it's minus 105 betting juice, and you also get a 5% monthly rebate on all of your losses. Check it out all online at uwager.lv, or give them a call toll-free at 1-800-U-WAGER. Just a quick note here, guys. I'm going to be doing my 10-star NFL Play of the Year on Sunday, or I should say on Christmas weekend, because there's, these games are scattered out all weekend long. Check it out at the website at playbooksports.com. You'll be glad you did. My complimentary call on Sunday's card, I'm going to go to some, I'm going to fade a team that's coming off a euphoric win, taking to the road against a team that is out of the playoffs. And normally I wouldn't want to play a team out of the playoffs, but there's a reason we're going to get to this team that's out of the playoffs. I'm going to play the Tennessee Titans plus the points against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, you've got the Titans here coming in here. Uh, with Mike Vrabel, they've been really, really good at home when they come off of a home loss their last game. He's 13-5 straight up, 11-6-1 of the spread, 4-0 straight up in ATS that way this year, home off a home loss, lost in overtime last week. But one of the main reasons I'm getting here is I'm hearing strong words that Ryan Tannehill may yes. – play in this football game for He'll Tennessee. Start, yep. He'll be the starting quarterback. What they're looking to do is show him off, show his wares off because he's, he's a, he's a commodity that, you know, they can use an opportunity to move up in the draft or trade or whatnot. And I think you'll find a, a revigorated Ryan Tannehill. If he gets a start in this football game, you catch Seattle coming off that huge Monday night comeback went over Philadelphia. That was uh, unbelievable. Just a terrific uh, drew lock. What a performance that was. Uh, and you've also got the Seahawks team, 0-4, they've been out yarded each of the last four football games in a row. Now they're going to pick up off that euphoric win and go lay points on the road. I don't think so. Give me Tennessee plus the points for my complimentary play in that football game on Sunday. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com, and the legend himself, Jim Feist from Las Vegas. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always. 